let's sing that song, uh, Bring All Your Needs to the Altar, and we'll go ahead and change the order of our service here real quick, and I'll go ahead and uh, bring some needs to you. Um, if you all would, just remember Brother Keith, he is at home sick today, was not feeling well. Uh, if you would, just remember Sister Shirley Buchanan as well, she was not feeling well. Uh, just remember Brother Julian Ivy, he is recovering from surgery he had a couple weeks ago. Also, uh, just remember uh, Brother Jaren, he is at home as well, uh, sick. Uh, just remember the Paschals, and I hope I said that right this time. Um, just remember them, they are at home, they were not able to make it. And uh, I also have here an unspoken uh, request from Sister Amber for her daughter, uh, Shannon. That is uh, all of our needs that we have today. Uh, Brother Josh, if you would come and uh, lead these requests to the Lord. Father, Lord Jesus, it's such a wonderful privilege, Lord, to be in your house this morning for good health, Lord, for all that's here, Lord, and uh, for your comfort, Lord, and knowing that you're still taking care of us, Lord, these times. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the work, Lord, you've been able to give me, Lord. Lord, I pray for the needs, Lord, the ones that were spoken, Lord, the health needs, Lord, there's a lot of sickness, Lord, still. We pray for them, Father that you can just touch their bodies. Lord, for the ones that are still searching for work, Lord, we pray for them, Father. We know, Lord, there is opportunities, Lord, out there for them, Lord. We pray, Lord, for this service today. Lord, this music, Lord, has just been so uplifting, Lord, to our hearts, Lord, this morning already. May you just continue, Lord, to bless us, Lord, and may it be a blessing to you, Lord. We pray for our pastor, Lord, as he prepares, Lord, to bring the word. May you just clear our minds, Lord, of the week ahead, Lord, and you let us, Lord, just uh, bask, Lord, in your word, Lord, this morning. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Josh. You may have your seats, and as you have your seats, let's sing that. Oh, bring all your needs to
and Sister Sarah here and ask her if she would come and sing a special. Um, while she's getting ready, we'll speed it up here just a little bit. Oh, okay, she's already coming, so never mind. She's going to surprise me. Who I am. 
Thank you, Sister Sarah, for that special. Uh, if you would, go ahead and stand with me. Uh, let's put it in D, and we'll sing the song, um, Heart of Worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to Something that's a voice that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Christ alone, in Christ alone, 
found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This golden stone, this solid ground, burn through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for that rousing anthem of the Bride of Christ. That, Lord, in your hands is our destiny. In your hands, Lord, we believe also was our origin. And now, Lord Jesus, we are living out that final moment, Lord, for the Gentile people. I pray, dear God, that you would inspire each one of us, Lord. May, Father, we take hold of the Word as the Word takes hold of us. And, Lord, may we embrace it until our bodies are actually changed. We give you this day. We give you this service. We give you our worship. We give you our thoughts. Lord, we give you every need that is represented before us. We pray, dear God, that you would heal the sick, that you would touch those that need a special touch. Lord, you would answer questions and you would give guidance to those that seek your leadership. Have your way among us, Lord, we pray. And Father, forgive us of anything that would be a hindrance to the moving of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, just come among us in a special way, I pray, and break the bread of life. Be the teacher among us, Lord. And we'll give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And all the brides said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. Certainly good. Thank you, musicians. Certainly good to have all of you here today. And uh, appreciate uh, each and every one of you coming and uh, creating the atmosphere you have already. And uh, always look for the uh, for that anointing and the direction that things go in the mornings. And uh, just appreciate that very much. Appreciate Mitchell filling in there. And uh, Brother Jaron wasn't doing well today, so we appreciate him stepping in there for us. Good to have Sister Caroline uh, with us today. And uh, each and every one, may the Lord bless you richly. And uh, good to have all of you here. Um, I want to just bring you a couple of prayer requests here this morning, and then I've got a couple of exciting things that I want to talk about. So, uh, first of all, uh, we want to continue to remember, uh, as I mentioned in the update, and I just want to touch on these few things here. Uh, Brother Johnny is with us this morning, Johnny Reynolds, and uh, he is up for uh, some surgery, and we uh, want to just trust that the Lord will undertake for him. And that's an inherited condition, right? It's a genetic condition? Okay. And uh, we, we know that God is certainly well able. So uh, he's waiting now for a schedule from the uh, doctors. And we want to continue to remember that need, if you don't mind. Brother Tom uh, is now with us today. He's recovering, anxious to get back on his feet again. And uh, we certainly miss him this morning. Uh, We have uh, received several requests from brethren that we know in the Philippines who uh, are enduring, as we speak, the the most powerful typhoon that ever has struck that region. And uh, they they had to evacuate over a million people out of Manila, came directly over Manila, haven't heard anything since the typhoon passed over there. So um, we'll certainly keep you updated there. I have a prayer cloth that we're going to pray for today, and this is for a young girl named Taylor, right? She is a friend of Caroline's, and she is in hospital in Charlotte, and she has leukemia, and she's 20 years old. She's gone through a couple of treatments already, and so we've been asked to pray for this over this prayer cloth, and uh, we'll do that at the end of service today and uh, send that down to her so that... Uh, she would have that lifeline to hang on to. But if you could remember her in prayer, that would be really great. 
I think it is a, a fitting thing for us. We acknowledge uh, folks' accomplishments, their uh, graduations and different things. And this has really been strange this year because graduates have not been adequately honored in their own schools. Uh, Lucas graduates this year wherever he is. And, and uh, they're, I don't think they're even doing a virtual thing. Are they doing a, they're doing a virtual thing. And um, I don't know. I don't know all the details of the virtual thing. I don't know. Instead of throwing your hat in the air, do you throw the monitor in the air, your computer monitor? And, and uh, but anyway, it's it's not to me. It's not adequately acknowledged. And uh, uh, but this will be the um, uh, graduation for several folks that are here today. But I, I wanted to acknowledge uh, this one thing that uh, this just this um, two or three weeks ago, Sister Becky completed. Uh, the requirements for her to receive her second master's degree. And this is a master's degree. She has one in education, and this is one in history. And uh, she completed her requirements for that. And we're very proud of her and uh, certainly has worked hard. And uh, I think that's worthy of acknowledgement. She's not in here at the moment, uh, but uh, she hasn't, hasn't gone through a graduation process yet, but uh, she's completed all of her requirements and is done. And uh, I thought, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So we're proud of Sister Becky and uh, thankful that she made it through all, all in one piece. I have been in contact with Sister Cheryl uh, concerning having a, a, a church function, a church dinner. And uh, it, it's, it's just really been a struggle for me because, I, you know, we, we like to get together. We haven't done it this year. And... Uh, it's been really difficult, and families want to get together. We, we enjoy our times together. I've been in contact with her, and I was trying to uh, sort out possibly when we could do that uh, and have a, an outdoor function, even if we did like a fall gathering outside. Uh, we're evaluating the risk of doing that. Uh, the, the situation currently is not looking great uh, in our state and in the country, and um, I don't think the election is going to take anything away from us in terms of the virus. Uh, but uh, So we're, we're just evaluating all of that. But I, I just want to let you know that it's not that we're not thinking of that or not that we wouldn't like to do that. We very much would like to do that. We very much would like to have uh, you know, gatherings and youth gatherings and so forth. We miss that. We need that. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you see other folks maybe getting together and, different places, you know, and, and so on. And, you know, as a, as a body, we miss uh, doing that. We're, we're thankful that we have this, at least, to, to get together. Uh, but we know that it's, it's uh, certainly um, an edifying thing when we get together and um, be able to fellowship together. So I'm thinking about that, and, and if we decide to do that, if it's safe for us to do that, I'll let you know, and we'll probably have a sign-up sheet uh, out there so that you can uh, – let us know if you would if you would be uh, okay coming to that, and uh, if we do that, make sure you let us know. And and uh, certainly, these are strange and difficult times. And so, if somebody decided that they didn't want to do something like that, you're certainly free uh, to decline. But if we uh, go ahead and do it, I'll sure try to let you know and see if we can capture a little bit of the fall spirit there. So. Um, we're, we're just in that planning stage, and I just wanted to let you know that. Now, <clears throat> let's take a couple of birthdays here. November 5th is Ben Pritchard's birthday. Ben Pritchard's birthday. Ben, how old are you going to be? 35, really? 
That's wonderful. Halfway to 70. Morgan Cockman's birthday. It's Morgan here. Not here. Pierce Jackson's birthday. How old are you going to be, Pierce? Really? Wonderful. God bless you all on your birthday. November 6th is Madison Powell's birthday. How old is Madison going to be? 12. Wonderful. November 7th is Sister Amber's birthday. Sister Amber, we're not going to ask you how old you are. And then the Morglea's, uh, Morglea's anniversary. How many years? Had to think about that. November, God bless you both. November 22nd, we're going to have Brother Nathan Erickson come down and uh, have a service that hopefully we'll be able to dedicate to the youth. And uh, that'll be November 22nd, weekend before Thanksgiving. Now, um, this is uh, our friend down in the south part of Tanzania, Brother Angelus. And uh, as a result of him receiving a bunch of books and Bibles, he's gone through that area there. This is what's really nice to see them, uh, you know, coming back now. And they're, uh, you know, they're spreading the message in their area. The locals are. And so he's baptizing people down there. And uh, it's just wonderful to see that, wonderful to see that. Uh, taken place there, but this is this is what happens. This is kind of the long-term effect uh, of uh, you know you you equip the saints down there and give them what you can, and then they get out there with uh, new zeal and enthusiasm. And they have something to share, and uh, they're able to you know, spread the message out there. So this is just to me, this is just a benefit. This is the the blessing of being able to be a part of uh, the distribution of the word for this hour. But I want to introduce something uh, new to you. Uh, last Sunday had a uh, a pivotal lunch, and uh, Brother Caleb came, Brother Aaron, Sister Trish came, and we had lunch uh, uh, last Sunday, and we got to talking about things. A lot's happened uh, through this week, that's for sure. So let me introduce you to the nation of Zimbabwe, and this is where Brother Aaron and Sister Trish are from, and uh, they have been involved in doing mission work and outreach in the lower part of Zimbabwe, the southern part, uh, which borders on South Africa, right, uh, roughly. And uh, this is an area that I've visited one time, but I've never really spent much time there. But there are hundreds of thousands of believers in Zimbabwe. It is a really heavily populated nation with believers. And very poor country now, very uh, corrupt in many ways. Uh, but the, the message is very strong. There's a lot of uh, large churches that are there. So when you talk about doing 5,000 books in a place like this, I mean, that's, you know, that's a help. But we're talking lots and lots of believers who are in this part of the world. But I didn't know it, but Brother Aaron was involved in doing evangelism down in that part of the world. And this is some of the people there that he's visited in the rural parts of uh, ten, or in Zimbabwe. And I think this is uh, great, you know, when you, you reach the people that they wouldn't have the funds to travel and come to meetings. They're probably very isolated in these areas and uh, don't have laptops, don't have very much really of their own material. And uh, Brother Aaron's been doing work before he came over here to the States, been doing work over in that, in that area. And so we're very excited about having him with us. And so we got to talking about that. Uh, this is him over here. <laughs> this is a great picture uh, over here on this side. And um, Brother Aaron, we appreciate your work. And we'd like you to share a little bit later on about uh, the work that is, is happening over there. And and now, uh, by God's grace, we've gotten involved a little bit over there. So most of the people uh, in that part of the world speak uh, Shona or English. 
there's other languages that are there, but Shona is one of, one of the main local languages, and then a lot of people speak English, right? And so one of the great needs that they have is Bibles over there because there's, they don't have access to purchasing Bibles very easily, and a lot of people would never be able to afford them. So a King James Bible over there, a decent King James Bible, is around five U.S. dollars, which is a very good price uh, to be able to to get a Bible, but out of reach for many of the people in the pictures you just saw. And so uh, Brother Aaron and I were talking about, you know, the, the way that, that we could uh, purchase Bibles for believers down that southern part. So as we speak, we've already ordered uh, $5,000 worth of Bibles. Somebody stepped in and already, I was sharing that with somebody, and somebody stepped in and already paid for that uh, shipment. So I want to do another one and uh, match that. So we have a, a brother who is friends with Brother Aaron, and he's arranged it already in Zimbabwe uh, for us to be able to get uh, 10000 worth of Bibles there. And as a result of them uh, speaking English, uh, we're able to now print uh, the Church Age book in English. And uh, this is the uh, first time we've printed in English. So I made a, um, an order this week. We're in the process of doing this order for 35,000 uh, church-age books. And they're going to go uh, into Zimbabwe and down here on, on the south of Africa and then also in South Africa, which is the other star in the south. And then uh, at the same time, we are going to do a drop shipment in the same printing in Ghana over here. A lot of people speak uh, English in Ghana. Right? A lot of the church people do. And at the same time, we're going to drop a, a large quantity over in England for coverage in the, that part of the world. And then also in New Zealand. Our brother Ulrey Robinson over there uh, is going to distribute in uh, New Zealand and Australia and the Solomon Islands and all of that part of the world over there as well. So it's exciting to see uh, places where uh, these books are going and believers are blessed who are putting books into Pakistan uh, right here and into uh, Thailand and Laos, uh, where Christianity is actually illegal, and we're going to start be start printing over there for the people uh, in that part of the world. And uh, I, I mean, I, I just think it's really exciting. But uh, this order for English will be a large order. We really don't need them very much in North America, but in those parts of the world, they haven't seen the Church Age book for a long, long time. So it's really nice to be able to supply that for them. So all of that is ongoing at the same time. Right after the hurricane uh, passes through or the typhoon passes through, we have uh, books that are almost ready for the boat that will go on uh, en route to the Philippines uh, from China. And then as we speak, uh, there's books that are sailing into Zambia and Zambia uh, coming up through South Africa. So uh, it's really exciting to see that. And I, I like to make sure that those uh, folks uh, send over the picture so you can see it. They're all very, very thankful for that. Now, let me show you one more thing. Nobody has seen this picture here except my wife. I mentioned last Sunday that uh, the two very important things that uh, we are sensitive or, or cognizant of in our time is God's word, which he has sent to us, and his presence, which makes that word real. Isn't that right? And, and that's, a, that's a really critical thing. That's a really important thing because it's, no, it's not good enough just to have his word, uh, and it's not good enough just to have the sense of his presence unless you know exactly what he's saying to us. And so these two combined give us two wings to be able to move forward. And I talked about this last Sunday. 
as you may remember. And in that, I gave you an example uh, of how uh, Brother Branham said in 1965 here, he said, Lord, I pray that your presence will always be in this camp of the people and how that God watches over his people, no matter where they are. He knows exactly where to find you. He did. Uh, he knows exactly where to find believers, and even the last one, he knows where to find them. And uh, he knows how to preserve us and care for us. He watches over us even when we sleep. How many can say amen? And so I showed you this picture here, and this is that sister whose name we still don't know. Uh, and she is a Mangati woman, uh, lives in a village in one of the, uh, in Africa, probably, uh, you know, one of the more primitive and violent uh, cultures in that part of the world, and you don't want to mess with these people, and you don't want to stumble into their village for sure. And I asked Brother Elias, he wants to go to her village, he wants to go to her house, and I said, how can you do that uh, without being killed? And he said, well, these days, he said, it's a little harder to kill people, so, you know, more than likely it won't happen. Okay, I said, it's good enough for me, if that's how you... That's how you feel. <laughs> so he's going to go, and uh, he's going to uh, minister in that village over there and be a witness to the people. But because this sister has been there for 10 years without any contact, and she's held on to her belief in the message and even shared that uh, with some people, lo and behold, Brother Elias sent me this picture. And this is two other elder sisters who were in that same, elder women, who were in the village and They are not Christians at all, but they are amazed at whatever she's got. And this is what they said to Elias. We want to know what she's got because something is holding her. And we want to know what she's got. So they're inquiring. So her her witness is already spreading in that area because she just held on for all those years. And uh, so what you have here is the makings of a little revival in in an area uh, that, you know, very, very few people have probably ever traveled through or, uh, you know, uh, know where where this is even is. You can't Google this this place. And uh, we don't know their names. We don't know anything about them and so forth. But let me tell you something. God knows exactly where his seed are. And he knows how to preserve you, and he knows how to reach you, and he knows how to put the right person in, the, in your pathway uh, in order to make that connection. So, I mean, I just think it's really exciting. Now, we'll give you the updates as we find out more about this because, uh, you know, goodness, I, I like to share testimonies like this. And uh, I sent it out to ministers, and they were just very excited about this. And you just don't hear uh, many things like this in, in this day, so we're, we're thankful for that. Now, I still haven't started, all right, but if you don't mind, I'd like you to follow this quote with me. Somebody sent me this quote this morning. It's called A Door Inside a Door, and it's 1960. Brother Branham says, Knowing that in this dark hour of the closing scenes of world's history, when men are confused and people are running from church to church and from place to place, and yet we found, yet we found that abiding, resting place in God. How many can say Amen. We have a rest as the people of God. And how we thank Thee for the Holy Spirit that gives us comfort in this hour. We know the sun is setting on civilization. Now watch what he says. God, we pray now for this great nation of ours that's in the time of the changing of presidents. So this is just prior to the election uh, in 1960 between John Kennedy and Richard Nixon. And he says, we pray now, and it might seem like a light thing, But, God, it might change the destination of this nation. 
O Lord, thou who would choose prophets and anoint the kings, we pray that your Holy Spirit will anoint the right man for us in this hour. Grant it, Lord. Where the great rallies are going on, on both parties. Father, we realize that you're not interested in parties. It's men that you can trust. So I pray, Father, that somewhere along, they'll choose the right man for the hour. We know the hour has to come when the wrong man will be chosen too. So we pray, Father, that you'll give us a little more time to bring in the lost, heal the sick and afflicted, strengthen the church, for we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Big day here in our area. But I think the more important thing is what's going on right here. That is the shaping and molding of the bride of Christ. All right, we're going to read a passage, but I want you to keep your Bible open because we're going to uh, visit this passage a little bit uh, more thoroughly. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and let's read it verse 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. This is 2020, so it's clear. And they, Israel, under Jehoshaphat, rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Israel, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity we have to be able to read and study your word. And now, Lord, I pray, come and just break through, Lord. And, Father, may your presence be welcome among us. We give you the day, as we've said already, and ask you for your anointing and your blessing upon the people and our hearing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open there. We're going to look at that passage again. We're going to look at another one. Uh, here in just a little bit. And uh, I I want you to uh, think about this, that, um, you know, when I think about uh, Israel, for instance, uh, back in the day when they were in their exodus, and I've been, uh, you know, focusing on this whole idea of exodus, as you know, uh, for a little while here, and what happened, uh, we know for sure that a prophet was involved in all three instances of an exodus in the Scripture. And uh, it's evident that God wanted a prophet to be on the scene, on the ground, whenever an exodus actually occurred. And so this is an important time because God just doesn't send a messenger and he doesn't send a prophecy, but he sends a prophet. And the prophet is standing there when there's, a, uh, when there's a, an exodus that's going on. And Moses stood there in the first exodus. Uh, John the Baptist stood there. Paul stood there in the second exodus. And then, of course, Brother Branham stood here in the last day uh, for the exodus that we are participating in. And so it's a big deal to God. It's an important thing to God. And I want you uh, just, to, uh, just to focus with me now for a little bit uh, in, this, uh, in this whole thought. But I, I want to just say this, that as Israel began their exodus and they moved towards the promised land, all the time that they were in the wilderness, they gathered around the presence of God. They didn't gather around a particular sermon. 
They gathered around the presence of God. They didn't gather necessarily around a minister. They gathered around the presence of God, right? That's the way they camped in the wilderness. And so it's important for us to realize that when you come to church here, you're not, you're not gathering around me. You're not, you know, I hope you're not camping around me, but it's the presence of God that we worship, and that's what's important, right? So what we, what we get, we'll get from the presence of God. If I could give you something, I certainly would do it. If I could help you in some way, I certainly would. If I could answer your questions before you ask them, I certainly would. Uh, if I could provide things for you, I certainly would. I mean, I have no hesitation. Uh, you're my favorite congregation in all the world. And uh, you're the best church I've preached to today. And I, I'll tell you what, I just have a great deep love and respect for all of you. And that's for sure. But I will tell you something that uh, I know one that's greater that we should acknowledge and we should draw on than me. And that's him who is here, Christ Jesus, in the form of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. And so what you need to keep in mind is that this is not about a church or a building or a minister or a personality uh, in the last day. This is about Christ, and that's the way it should be. And so our gathering is around him. Our gathering is for him. Our gathering is to worship him. How many can say amen? <coughs> now, just in a preliminary way, uh, we have... Uh, we have uh, dealt with this consistently over three or four Sundays here. Uh, but I want, to, uh, I want to just give you a couple of screens here that are reminders for us. And Brother Branham says that uh, in Micah the prophet, he said he's still God, and he's right on schedule. The only thing for us to do is just schedule our faith with his being here, and it'll happen. So the flexible thing or the variable thing here is your schedule, not his. His is on time. He's got everything already scheduled out, right? It's already fixed. How many believe that God knows when the Gentile bride's going to be changed? Right? He knew exactly when Brother Branham would leave the scene. He, knew, he knows exactly when the bride's going to go. He knows exactly when the, when the, uh, the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the three and a half years kicks in. He knows all of that. He's already got a schedule. Your job is to get your schedule aligned with his. It would be a shame to be out of sync with him today uh, in terms of schedule. We want to be right on time. We want to be right in tune. There are all kinds of people that study the end time. There's an expectation, and that's even found in the Scripture. There's an expectation about the times, of, important times, when God's about to do something. Even unbelievers sense, and, and you know, church people, they sense that there's certain things going on. You remember Brother Branham talking about down in Louisiana when he said, uh, you know, they're putting out newsletters now, Jack Moore and them, and they're putting out newsletters, fast and pray, fast and pray, uh, you know, something's going to happen in our time. And here's Brother Branham standing right there, and they kind of missed exactly what God was doing in their time, but they have an expectation uh, because they know God is stirring somehow. And uh, it's important for us to be in tune with the times, and you've got to remember that there are all kinds of people who are studying issues about the end time as well. The difference between us is our knowing. Our knowing is different than most people in the, in the world, especially in the church world, right? Our understanding of the words is different. When we talk about the Godhead, our understanding is different. When we talk about the fall, our understanding is different. When we talk about the rapture, our understanding is different. When we talk about the man of sin or the mark of the beast, our understanding is different than those than many other people. You know why? Because in this exodus, we've had a prophet who came in the last day. <clears throat> There's lots of people who study Bible words because they're interested in knowing what the real meaning is. 
And they also want to know uh, where they should be in relation to all of this. In other words, they got a schedule. They know God's got a schedule somehow. And they want to align those things. But uh, it's really hard if you don't have a prophet who comes with us, saith the Lord, to tell you exactly what's going on. If you Google 666, don't do it. Don't do it. All right? Don't anybody reach for their phone. But if you Google 666, you will find 663 mil, billion, no, 663 million articles as a result of those three numbers. That's not the number of people who've gone there. That's the number of places where 666 is mentioned. 663 million places. It's amazing. And you know why that is? It's kind of like the people who research uh, power lines over your head. I remember one time we were trying to, uh, we were considering buying a piece of land that had power lines uh, nearby. And I thought, uh, wow, you know, I've heard that power lines can fry your brain or, you know, make your kids turn out, you know, uh, two left hands or whatever else. And, and uh, so this was early back in the days, just when Al Gore invented the Internet, so it was w- way back. But I remember uh, looking online, and we, I, was, I, was, I just uh, put in a search for, uh, you know, is living near power lines dangerous? And there were 38,000 articles there, uh, and they were papers that were written concerning the dangers of living near power lines. And, of course, it was a bunch for and a bunch against, and, every, you know, as other people said, it was, you know, President Trump's fault. This is back in the, in the 80s or 90s, whenever it was, and... You know, there was all kinds of opinions back there, and uh, it was just just crazy. And as a result, I'm just saying that to say that, uh, you know, when it comes to the words of the Scripture, uh, lots of people want to know what the right meanings are. They genuinely want to know what things mean and how things line up. Unfortunately, if you're not in the right place to get the right teaching, you're not going to have the right understanding. If you're not in the right place to hear the right thing, your faith is not going to be right, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the Lord, Right? Kind of reminds me of the story, and just trying to find you this morning, kind of reminds me of the story of the preacher who uh, had, for years, had trained his horse. And uh, because he was a preacher, he trained his horse to respond to uh, giddy up and woe in a different way. And he said, uh, over the years, he said for the horse, all right, now, instead of saying giddy up, I'm going to say praise the Lord. So whenever I say praise the Lord, he trained his horse that that meant giddy up. And whenever he said, hallelujah, that was woe. Okay, so he just substituted those two phrases in there for his horse. So his horse was trained very well. Uh, you know, whenever he said, praise the Lord, that horse just took off. And when he said, hallelujah, that horse pulled up and stopped. So one day he was out riding in the mountainous area, and all of a sudden he had a bobcat that came across the path, and the horse got spooked, and that horse took off. He could see where it was going. It was headed right for the cliff. I mean, it was on its way to the cliff. And he came, he was shouting to the horse, whoa, 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 as he was in a panic himself. He knew where this was going to wind up. And finally he remembered and he said, hallelujah. And that horse just pulled right up at the edge of the cliff and stopped right there. <laughs> and he said, that was close, praise the Lord. <laughs> the understanding of words is really important. And that's why, that's why we're thankful, and not in a trivial way at all, that God has sent a prophet and how much that we have learned. God is not about scaring people. God is not about scaring us. Things are going to get worse for the world 
much worse. But I have good news for you. Things are going to get better because the Bible promises us that. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, hey, don't worry. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Now, remember this quote I gave you last Sunday, and it simply summarizes things really well. God's people in Egypt. God's people in Egypt was not the way things were meant to be. They were not meant to be there. They were meant to be in the place that God ordained for them, which is what he promised Abraham. Your seed will sojourn here. Your seed will will live here. But they're going to sojourn in a land for 400 years, and then they'll come back with a mighty hand. And so this is what God promised them was going to happen. God's people in Egypt is the same as you you in this body right here. You know, at one point you were God's people in the world, or you were God's people in the denominational church, right? Right? Because you weren't God's people in the message. Until God got a hold of you. And then by his grace and mercy, he reached down and, uh, you know, because your name was on the Lamb's Book of Life, he called you and summoned you by the word of the hour and, and brings us out. But we're still not there yet. We're still not in that promised land yet. We're still not in that body yet. So there's still a ways for us to go. We're, we are, we're not, um, we don't have, we don't have fully operating what we need to have operating in order to be over there. Because if it was fully operating, you'd be over there. By my understanding, if we really have fully operating everything that God has fully disclosed, then I will tell you something, uh, your body won't be able to handle it. You'll be gone. So there's still a ways yet. In whatever way God uh, needs to quicken things or God needs to turn up the heat or whatever else that needs to be done, and we're going to leave that to him. Uh, maybe like Brother Brandon prayed in that little uh, particular prayer in 1960 there, uh, you know, there's, there's still some that are out there maybe that have not come in yet. We really don't know. But uh, nonetheless, this is his schedule, right? And your job is just simply to align to his schedule, not to alter it. We're not in the business at all of telling the Holy Spirit what he needs to do. We're just in the business of getting right so we don't get left. Right? Everybody understand that phrase. Now, you had a week to think about that. Uh, we, We want to be right so we're not left. But before these great disasters happen, and that's what the world is headed for, they're headed for the cataract, they're headed for the falls, before that happens, God always gives a warning and makes a way of escape. He prepares. So this is a time of warning. It's a time of preparation. It's a time when God is actually watching over your development on the inside in order to get you ready to be in another place and not this place. Because you're God's people in Egypt. Right? So one day soon we'll be gone and we'll be out of here and it'll, we'll be, it'll be over. So what we're looking for is the translation of the church and the reversal of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is where Paul came and took the gospel and gave it to the Jews. You remember that? Or uh, when he gave it to the Gentiles. Paul said, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so the covenants and the promises and the blessings and all of that uh, went to the Gentiles and it was taken from the Jews because they disbelieved, because they rejected God and they rejected Christ. And so now, what we're living in is a time where Acts 13 is going to be reversed. It's going to be corrected so that it goes back to the Jews again. And when it goes back to the Jews, let me tell you, there won't be any more Gentiles that are saved after that. Right? So, for the Gentiles, things are going to get worse. Are, we, are you following? Are we okay? So, this is, this is what happens prior to those, those days that God has numbered... And the day that God has in mind when this thing shuts down, 
when this thing is over, uh, God's going to draw, God's already got a, a day prepared. He's got a time and he's going to shut it down. And that will be the time when the gospel goes back to the Jews and the, uh, the two prophets rise up over there and the Gentiles will be officially in the tribulation period. That's a day that we don't want to see. We want to be gone prior to that. And so this is a very important topic for us. Now, here's what's, here's what's important for us, that according to the timeline, there is, there is a process that God is going through to give the church the rapturing faith it needs before it can go in the rapture. Obviously, we've got to have the rapturing faith built up before we go in the rapture. Because the changing of our body is a result of this uh, process of building rapturing faith in the church. That's why we come to church. That's why we learn line upon line, here a little and there a little, so that we can grow and we can become cell by cell exactly what God has ordained us to be. And spiritually speaking now, we are not naturally speaking because... Cell by cell, we're actually deteriorating after we get 20, 21, 22 years old. We begin to deteriorate after that. According to nature, it probably happens even a little quicker than that. But nonetheless, cell by cell, line by line, revelation by revelation, week after week, we, we, we find that God is actually building something in the hearts of his people uh, to, to have us grow in this uh, present faith. And this present faith is going to be our key to getting out of here. This is what Enoch must have had because he walked until he was not. God took him. So he had to be walking a certain way before God could take him. And he walked in that process uh, of being built up and coming to that place where God would actually take him. And he did prior to the destruction. So, again, that's why this topic is important. That's why this whole idea uh, of this Exodus idea is very important. Now, in this timeline, here's Brother Branham telling us now in 1965, he said that the word of another day is not going to work in this day. As a matter of fact, the word of any day is not going to work in some other time period. So God then, and he sovereignly looked down at all the different uh, uh, significant uh, passages of time, the, 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 the eras of great change. He looked at that on the day of Pentecost. He looked at that in Acts chapter 13. He looked down and he saw the last day, Malachi 4, uh, would be fulfilled. God looked at that and he said that the faith of another age is not going to work in that age. I've got a message. I've got a word for that day. So God's, God's message that he sent to us in this last day is, is not something that's meant for any previous day. Neither would be effective for any future day. It is for us. It is for our time. That's pretty neat that God would actually think of you and give you a unique message that nobody else gets to use or gets to believe, only us. I think that's wonderful. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Say, praise the Lord and watch your horse go. That was for Pentecost, but this is for the bride. More importantly, watch what he says, this is for the going home of the bride. So the message is, is, is going to make you a better person here. It's going to challenge your attitude and your life and your finances and your uh, attendance in church and your uh, dedication and all of those different things. Your obedience is going to challenge that. But let me tell you, God is not preparing us to live here forever. He is rather preparing us to go home to where we belong. Because remember, we're not meant to be God's people in Egypt. We're meant to be God's people in glory. God's people in the right body, 
right? And we're not there yet. So this message that God gave to us in the big picture of the big scale of things, this message is given to us to get us home. It's meant to get us out of here. This is for the going home of the bride. We got something different. We're in the bride age. So there are things that are going to be brought to us that have a uniqueness about them. They are going to be, uh, in a sense, they're going to be exclusive for the last day. God's going to use a prophet to unveil things that other ages probed at or thought about, they wondered about, but they never really saw or understood like we will. And the unveiling of that or the revealing of that will spark something in the bride of Christ. That really doesn't stop. It continues to grow and it'll be manifest one day completely when our bodies are changed and we're taken out of here in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Are we all right? Just still talking big picture here. So when it comes to the signs of the times, we know that Israel is a great uh, sign of the, uh, is, you know, it's a great signpost. Uh, Israel is the, the watch clock of the church. And Brother Branham taught us that if you want to see what's going on, he says you watch Israel and it'll tell you that. And there are lots of other signs that uh, accompany this in the last day. But one of the things, too, in Isaiah chapter 64, and I've quoted this scripture to you before. Sorry, it seems dark there. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens. This was Isaiah's prayer, and he's referring to the end times. Isaiah 64 and verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that you would tear the heavens wide open. And this is not a... Uh, a passive thing. This is rather a seizing and ripping it apart. This is what, what the idea uh, is meant to convey. And thou wouldst rend the heavens, and thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. This is Isaiah's prayer and prophecy about the last day. Watch what Brother Branham says in Perseverance, in 1962. Now here is Brother Branham, and he knows in 62 that things are changing. He's moving into different uh, you know, feelings about his ministry and where, where all of this has taken him. And he knows. I mean, he knows that uh, there are things coming open here that are certainly unique, and, but God's not done with him yet. He's got more to, uh, to bring to the church. And he says in this prayer, I pray that he will grant the fullness of it to me out in the desert for the church in the last day now. One of the last moves of the Spirit, I believe, is at hand. This is the way God deals with a prophet. He's out there alone. He's out there uh, communing with God, and God reveals certain things to him. And he says that God would give me the fullness of, of these revelations for the last day. And we're, we're believing that the Lord Jesus is fixing to turn the heavens loose with the powers of God, that it will rend the heavens. And we believe that he's going to do it. God's actually going to, uh, you know, pour things out that the world has never seen before. That God's going to do great things, uh, you know, among his people. Now, a lot of times people immediately, you know, they immediately think, well, are you talking about us speaking limbs into existence and speaking church members we don't like out of existence uh, and things like that? Are we going to have some sort of a supernatural power? And I just want to say this. I've said it many times before, and I'll say it again. We are not here to tell the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. What I really want to do, and I really want you to do, is just to schedule your schedule with God's, so that if God decides to do something, you're right on schedule. That's all. You just need to be where He wants you to be on that particular day. You just need to be in that particular service where God's going to do something, and you know what? You just need to be in your place during that time. And this is what He's saying, that God's going to do things in the last day. But you know what? In the ministry of Brother Branham, it was obviously, uh, you know, a very concentrated, powerful witness of the supernatural power of God. You know, the healings. And, uh, you know, there would be multiple uh, healings and discernments and miracles happen in, in one particular meeting. 
There were miracles that happened before the meeting even began. And there were miracles that happened after they began. Animals were healed, uh, you know, when he, when he prayed. And, uh, you know, just, just the presence of God that accompanied that ministry. It was really God definitively saying, I'm not dead. I'm alive. And I, I exist. And I can use a prophet in the same way that I use all those Old Testament prophets back there. And you know what? Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God wanted us to believe that. And we do believe that because of all that he did. But I will assure you of this, that after Brother Branham's funeral, God didn't crawl back into a space that was unapproachable by mankind. He didn't go out of the business of being God after Brother Branham passed away. I believe he's still God, and I believe he's still doing things among the bride of Christ. But it's not a worldwide movement. It's not something that uh, the world even cares anything about. They've gone right on in their uh, ways and their sinfulness and their religious ideas and moving towards the Antichrist system. That's the way it's all going. And they put great value on that. They put great importance on that. And they're moving that way. They really don't care very much about what the Bride of Christ is doing. But I'm here to tell you that I believe that God is doing a great work among the, the Bride of Christ. God is concerned about you individually. He's concerned about you as a family. He's concerned about your attitude here this morning. He knows what's going on between your two ears. And He wants you over time, He wants you over time to learn to trust Him and learn to rely on Him and learn to go, uh, navigate through life using the principles of the Word of God so that we have faith in the right thing. You know, it's interesting because as Christians, we have problems just like everybody else in the world has problems. We have situations come up like everybody else's situations come up. But we've been taught to deal with things with the tools we have at our disposal. We don't revert to things like uh, other people in the world. Yesterday, we had an opportunity, uh, Lucas and Sister Becky and I, we had an opportunity to take Brother Fulcher up to West Virginia where he was born some of you may have seen a few of the photos that were there. And it's uh, just absolutely devastating to see what, uh, what's happened in the economy up there in West Virginia. And the whole towns that are completely boarded up and uh, grass growing out the windows. And, uh, I mean, it's just with the mines closing and different things. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like you've stepped into another country. It's almost like you're into another country. And we were deep, deep into the, into the mountains there where... Uh, English is sometimes spoken. And uh, uh, it's a place where you don't want to run out of gas, let me tell you that. And, you know, the, the, the effect of that, my goodness, you're, uh, I was saying to, to Lucas, you stand around and look at the, at the way people must live and, the, the, you know, the condition of their uh, properties and their homes and so forth. And I said, you know, it's just the average age in some of these towns and villages are like must be 70 or 80 years old because, you know, kids would leave and go off, get educated somewhere or go find someplace where the Internet, internet is known. And, uh, you know, you, you, it's no wonder they have uh, drugs, dr- uh, the drug problems that they have and the alcohol problems that they have because there's just really not, there's not much to look forward to. What do you get up out of bed for in the morning? And, and the thing that grows most in West Virginia is, is uh, drugstores. And you find a CVS just about in every corner or a Walgreens in every corner because that's, that's what happens. In the suburbs of Huntington, West Virginia, there are 38 in the suburbs. Now, Huntington's not a big place. But in the suburbs, there, 
there are 38 CVS uh, drugstores in the suburb section of, of Huntington, West Virginia. That's a little overkill, but they're all in business, and they all have lots of things happening. But for us, we, we, we have to, to deal with things the way that God has, with the tools that God has given to us. We have to respond the way that God has taught us to respond over the years. So, for instance, we don't go to law to settle our matters, right? There are things that we should, as brothers and as Christians, be able to work out together. Because law has, going to law has been taken off the table. It's not on the table. So under the conditions that Paul talked about, when there's a disagreement in the world, people might quickly say, well, i got an attorney, and you, you wronged me of this, and you know you cheated me of this. On our table, I'm not saying that, you know, the use of an attorney is always evil or contrary to Scripture. I'm saying under the conditions that Paul talked about, uh, it's, when it comes to resolving the difference, there's no attorney on the table. So if we're going to solve the problem with what we have on the table, a lawsuit is not there. So sometimes we're forced to work things out between each other. Because we don't have the tool that everybody else in the world would have. They have a different setting on their table. We don't have that tool on our table. Are you following me? All right, let's just say this. There are times when married folks have disagreements. And when it comes to disagreements between married folks, divorce is also not on that table. It just ain't there. So we're taught to use the tools God's given to us. And some of the things that are on that table are things like forgiveness and long-suffering and unconditional love and going to the cross, right? Communicating, resolving our differences, burying the hatchet, not in your spouse's head. Letting go is on the table, right? Bitterness is not on the table. Hatred is not on the table. Attorneys are not on the table. Getting even is not on the table. So you know what? We've got to work with what's on the table. And, and in, in a very real way, God has taught us that we need to use the tools that God's placed on the table for us to navigate through this life. Remembering that... Navigating through this life is not the only reason that God's placed the message here. This is for the going home of the bride. But on the way there, however long that takes, we have got to deal with life as it comes to us because all things are not always rosy in this life. And so therefore, as, as I've said, we, we have to understand the, the way that God is guiding us. Now let me say this as a, just as a general statement for you to think about. There are some times that you appeal to God... For an answer, and God does not seem to answer. And I will give you two reasons why it seems that way. Number one, because he's already spoken, and that's not the answer that you really want. And number two, sometimes there is within the community or the body of believers somebody who's going to come and bring that missing piece of the puzzle. Because God's already given us his promise. God's already given us his word for the hour. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch going back to, to Africa. Remember that? 
and he's got a he's got a puzzle and he's got a piece missing here. He says, "What does this mean? Why, you know, somebody, some man's going to have to show me what this means." And God provides somebody within the body to come to that person and show him what that piece really is. He needed to show that 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 inquiring believer what the missing piece of the puzzle was. And that's why. Let me tell you something. If you have listen, if you have God, if God's way was just to speak to you directly. And personally and individually, you know what that would create in your heart? Independence. I don't need to go to church, and I don't need to have a pastor, and I don't need to be connected to a body because God speaks to me directly. And you know what? God doesn't do that. Here's Brother Branham saying, uh, I pray that God will grant me the fullness of it to me out in the desert so that I can bring it to his people that are on earth. If, if... Let me say this, if you feel like that all you need is, is the message, uh, all you need is, is the, the tapes and books, that's all I need, and I don't need a church and I don't need a pastor, that will equally create a spirit of independence in a person's heart. It's just like, uh, it's just like you know, uh, when uh, maybe some of you moved into the town and uh, you rented a place or built a house somewhere, and you said, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to have a direct line from the water reservoir to my house, if that's all right. I'd like to, I'd like to have a pipe that runs right from the reservoir right to my house. They'd say, hey, buddy, what are you, nuts? You've got to tap into the system. There is a system in this city, and you need to tap into that, and you'll be able to receive uh, the water just like everybody else. You don't get it directly in one pipeline. Are we Okay. Folks, that's exactly the way it happens in the body of Christ. God deals with a prophet. God writes his own word, and God deals with a prophet. But when it comes to the body, you know what? We are part of a body. And when you realize that there are parts of, of, of the word of God and parts of God's will that are revealed to us, and we find encouragement and we find instruction a lot of that comes through the parts of the body that God's placed on the earth. How many of you have ever had a question and, you know, wound up talking to somebody and having fellowship with somebody and said, wow, that's the answer I was looking for. That's the word I needed. Anybody ever experience that? If you have a hand, lift it up there and, and wave it around. Anybody, you know, you have a, you have a maybe a, it could be a phone call, maybe it can be a text or an email, it can be a communication of some sort, but somebody in the body comes along and says, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear, that's exactly the truth, that's exactly what I was talking about. Sister Carol Henley would do the same thing. Monday, mo- Monday morning, she'd be uh, uh, texting me 6 o'clock in the morning. She was an early riser. And Monday morning, she'd say, my, we were coming up in the car, and you said this, and you said that, and you said this. That's exactly what we were talking about. Now, I have a question about this, and this, and this. And, you know, she'd, she'd list a whole bunch of questions, and I'd spend Monday answering questions. I didn't mind at all. Let me tell you something. It was a pleasure to be able to respond and communicate with her. But let me tell you something. All of our questions are not answered. Listen to me. All of our questions are not answered just because we are here. All of our questions are answered because God has answers, but they come over time and they come through the ministry of the word and they come with you realizing you're a part of a body that God's got all the answers for before we leave here. But you have to be ready for how God's going to give you the answers. 
Because you don't have a direct line from the reservoir to you. Now, God can reveal things to you, obviously. God can do that. But isn't it true that a lot of times you hear things, uh, you know, in church? You hear things according to God's order. You hear things, uh, you know, in, in services and conventions and things like that. And God will touch your heart in a different way. And we know that's God. We believe that's God, right? God will use various parts of the body to bring things to us and to edify us and strengthen us in that, uh, in, in that particular way, in that unique way. Brother Branham, I don't find anywhere where Brother Branham told us to stop after he died. And look, everything is there on the tapes. You don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else to preach or minister. Has anybody ever found that on one of those sermons, Brother Branham's? He wanted us to keep going. He said, you young men, take this and scatter it uh, to the coming of the Lord and preach the message and, and let, let the pillar of fire lead you on and let him lead you right through to the promised land. Obviously, obviously, rapturing faith lays on those tapes. But I will tell you something. God has quickened lots of things from what's on those tapes for us to have a greater understanding of what's there. He knows exactly what we have need of. And he knows exactly how to get it to us. But when we start to think independently, we start to lose sight of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we, we, don't, we don't need this. We don't need, we don't need uh, things that God's placed in line for us. A lot of times we go away frustrated because all of a sudden we start to say, well, God doesn't answer. And I believe this, God does. God does. He does answer. He cares about the questions you have. He cares about the situations you find yourself in. He cares about what you're going through. And I will tell you something, that God has answers for all of it. Now, take your Bible for a minute, if you still have it open there. I <clears throat> get going here too long. I'm beginning to realize that maybe some things that I do and maybe some things I think, need to be changed because I need to be changed. My body needs to be changed. And if I had everything just right, been in the message a long time, believe everything that God has said, as far as I know, I'd be changed. But I'm not. Number one is because there's probably still a little distance I have to go, and it's not the right time. And it's all going to happen in God's schedule, right? He's got a schedule. And the more important thing for me to do is not not to say, well, God, uh, you need to do this now. I just need to make sure my schedule aligns with him and with his schedule. All right, take a look here. This is a passage of Scripture that I've got marked up. It's one of my favorite battles in all of the Bible. And this is when, in verse 1, it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon with them besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Israel is just in its place. They're not doing anything to uh, promote this uh, conflict. And they come there and they told Jehoshaphat, there cometh a great multitude against uh, thee from beyond the sea uh, in Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He did the right thing. It's a great example, a great story for us. And I've gone over it several times. But he, he feared and sought God, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Israel. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. And they, uh, they began to pray, and they went down to, to church, and they began to pray. And you can read from uh, verse uh, 6 down to verse uh, 12. 
And Jehoshaphat prays a beautiful, absolutely stellar prayer. And it's inspiring because he appeals to God and his promises about being, you know, uh, the God of Israel and the God of Abraham. And uh, it's just tremendous how he lays this out before God. I'm in mean, Second Chronicles chapter 20. So in verse 14, the Bible says then that uh, Jehaziel, uh, he comes back and he prophesies. Uh, there's a, this, this prophecy that goes out and he, and he proclaims uh, the thought of God here or the heart of God here that you're going to win this battle. That this is not anything you need to be afraid of. Uh, in verse 15 in the middle there it says, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. And this is what he tells them. And he says in 17, You shall not even need to fight. I'm going to take over in this one. So fear not. And don't be dismayed because uh, you're going to see the enemy fall here. And you don't need to worry about this at all. And then down in verse 20, uh, the people naturally, when they heard this response and they believed it, uh, they believed this prophecy that was given by a prophet because that's who, uh, uh, get, you know, uh, we're talking about here, this uh, Jezael. And it says in 20, and they rose early in the morning and they went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. And believe his prophets, and so shall ye prosper. So that's a principle there that God wants us to understand very clearly. That if we believe in the Lord your God, you will be established. But if you believe in those prophets, the ones that speak for me, then you will be prospered. And the word prosper there, we, we kind of have a sour taste in our mouth about prosperity uh, because of what some evangelists have done to that whole meaning. But in the Hebrew, in the original thought, it is success. In other words, you will have great success. You believe in God, you'll be established. Believe in the prophets and you'll have success. So in other words, if I'm believing what God's word says and I'm believing that what this prophet has prophesied and I'm doing that by faith and I'm doing that with great joy, then you know what? You will be successful in what you endeavor to do. Well, let's read on, just so you're not, uh, you're not uh, doubting here. It says in 21, read that with me. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and they, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now watch the next verse, 22. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon. Now, I don't know. I'm just saying. But it seemed like that when these people who were believers in God, number one, they turned to God first. Right? When the, when the cry, when the announcement came that we're under attack, we're under siege, they turned to God. They went right to the church and they, they began to pray. The whole nation dropped what they were doing and they began to pray. My, how different a nation would be if we did that, right? And so here's the whole nation now. They've they're, they're got their faces towards heaven, and they're looking to God, number one. So they believe God. And number two, when Jezael uh, prophesies, hey, don't be dismayed, don't fear, don't need to worry. Uh, I'm going to take care of this. You're not even going to need to fight. You know what they did in response to that prophecy? They began to sing and rejoice. And they brought their instruments out. And they said, hey, let's go down. Let's go down by the river, and we're going to watch this, uh, this fight. Because, uh, you know, nobody loves a battle more than God. Nobody loves a scrap more than God. And so uh, he's promised, I'll, I'll, I, before he says, you lift a hand, I'm going to go down there and defeat that army. And so he goes down there, and they're singing and rejoicing, one of them, I'm one of them. And they want everybody to know what side they're on. We're on the side of the Lord. 
Why are they rejoicing? Why are they happy? Why are they worshiping in the middle, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the moment when a battle's about to break out? Why are they doing that? You know why? Because they believe God and they're established in the faith and they believe those prophets. And therefore they shall prosper. They'll be successful. And when God saw that, and he saw their response there. They're not going down saying, oh, I wonder if God's going to do it. I wonder, can he do it? I wonder, can he pull it off? They're not doing that. They're going down there and saying, yeah, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. And they're down there waiting for this positive outcome because that's what the promise is. And they're believing that. And when God sees that, it somehow stirs the heart of God. And he does exceedingly and abundantly above all they could ask or think. Are we all right? I mean, hey, look at 23. Children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies on the ground, and none of them escaped. So there they are coming over the top of the hill and they're looking out. And when they're, you know, getting ready to pull their swords and go into battle, hey, they're looking out. Everyone's dead. They're all laying on the ground. And you know what happens next? If you read your Bible, what happens next is that they said, hey, listen, let's go gather the spoils. And they went and they gathered all the swords and the souvenirs and the, uh, you know, the, the jewelry and the garments and everything else and brought it all back. My goodness, they were way better off after that whole thing than when they began. When you're in a time of conflict, when you're in a time of battle, believe God and believe His prophets, and you will prosper. Take your Bible, if you don't mind, let's go to Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. This is a great little story here as well. Just very briefly here. Ezra chapter, let's just look at five, just for a moment here. And the prophets Haggai and the prophet, uh, and the prophets. Haggai the prophet, Zechariah the son of Edo, prophesied unto the Jews that, that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God, of, the God of Israel, uh, even unto them. And then rose up Zerubbabel and so forth. Uh, let's read it. And the son of Sheltiel and Jeshua the son of Josadak. I mean, Ezra five, two. And, and began to build a house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. So here they are now. They're commissioned with the job of building, the, the, restoring the temple. And uh, they've got a, a job to do, naturally. We're, we're very familiar with that story. Uh, but there are enemies. There are people who are, who are contradicting them. And the prophets rise up, and, and they're, uh, they're encouraging. They're helping the people in verse 2. In verse 5, it even says this, But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they would not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned answer by letter concerning the matter. And, and so God was watching over this whole thing. Do you believe that God watches over this? When you're under attack, God's watching over what you're going through. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen. When, when, we're in the, when we're in the most difficult times, God's watching over that. And so those prophets are right there with him. And uh, he, he gives him instructions down uh, through the rest of the chapter here. And in chapter 6, if you don't mind, in verse 3. In the first year of Cyrus, the king, uh, the same Cyrus, the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be built. The place where they offered sacrifices and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid. 
the height thereof three score cubits, and the breadth thereof three score cubits. In verse 5, he talks about, let the place be restored. Verse 7, let the work of this house of God, let, let the work of this house of God alone. Don't anybody touch it. Don't anybody get involved here. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of, of the Jews build this house of God in this place. So Ezra and Nehemiah, they were the governors of, of the people of Israel. Let them build it. Let, let them follow their God. God's leading them. Let them alone. This is a very, very smart king. Because he knows this is a work of God. Somehow he knows this is a move of God. And if you read the whole story, he finds the documents that say, that prophesy, one day the temple will be restored. And as a matter of fact, all the, gar- all the uh, goblets and the, uh, uh, the pots and pans and everything that was found in the temple in the days of Solomon was carried off uh, and recorded. It was inventoried uh, in the days of uh, Nebuchadnezzar when they took everything down to Babylon. It was all recorded. And Cyrus says, hey, wasn't there a, uh, uh, an inventory sheet or something like that uh, that had all this stuff on it? And they went and found it. They actually went and found it years later, 70 years later. And they find it. And Cyrus pulls it out and says, hey, everything that's on that sheet, give it back to Israel and let them build the tabernacle. Let them build it very strong. And don't, don't mess with it. Uh, don't, don't interfere with them at all. Let them build it. And all those vessels that are on that inventory sheet, let them bring them back to Jerusalem because that's their place of worship. What's this all about? There's a God who watches over all of this. And we don't want to mess with that God. We don't want to mess with Him. We want to do the right thing. So He encourages them to go back. Uh, in verse 8, Moreover, I make a decree, what you shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God. That of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, wherewith expenses be given unto these men, that they not be hindered. You give them a blank check and let them spend what they need to spend in order to get it done. And that which they have need of, young bullocks, rams, lambs, burnt offerings, wheat, salt, oil, wine, oil, all of those things, let it be given them that day without fail. Wow. Why? Verse 10, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Let them go, give them an offering, and whatever they have need of, let them have the salt and the wine, the oil, let them have all of that, because they're going back to restore the the true worship that is uh, ordained of God. This This is what's written in the book here. And that's why Cyrus is blessed in his lifetime and in his reign. Just for your information, let's read verse 11. And I have also made a decree that whosoever shall alter this word, let timber be pulled down from his house, and being set up, let him be hanged thereon, and let his house be made a dunghill for this. That's kind of serious. Because we're going to tear down your house and build a gallows and hang you on it. And... We don't want you to interfere with this work. That's how the king actually felt uh, with, with, uh, when it comes to this restoration work that was going on. All right, follow me now as we go down through here. So it says uh, in, in just a couple of other verses there, it goes on and talks about how that, uh, you know, they, they did this speedily. They supplied everything they have need of. The verse I'm trying to get to is verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. They prospered through the prophesying of those prophets. 
Their success was not because they were better builders than other people. Their success was not because they had more money or they had a Home Depot close to the, de- the, the Temple Mount. Their success was through the prophesying of those who were speaking as God's spokesman. And they were believing that. And the response to what was prophesied is they went out and they built the, the tabernacle. They didn't let anything get in their way. And they built and they labored and they, they, they did everything that was necessary to bring the house back to a measure of glory that God would be pleased with. And they put in the priests and the vestments and the pots and the, uh, all of the silverware and everything that was meant to be there. They put it all back into there. You know why? Because they're believing God. And they're believing the, the, what the prophets are, are prophesying. They know it lines up. Are you with me? They know it lines up. And when it lines up, the people's response to that is to apply that. And God honors that. As a contrast to this, you remember in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah comes into church one day and he has a yoke of wood on his neck. And he says, Israel, you shall be 70 years in captivity. And this other prophet stands up and says, hey, 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 relax. Takes the yoke off his neck, breaks it, and says, no, hey, it'll be just a couple of years and you'll be back. Don't worry. I imagine that kind of a service, right? People would have been. So here's this prophet, Jeremiah, and he just kind of stands there, and this other prophet is prophesying a couple of years, and Jeremiah is saying 70 years, and he's got, both of them are claiming to have thus saith the Lord. Well, uh, I mean, you know the story. That man doesn't live another year. That prophet doesn't live another year. You know why? Because he's prophesying, but he's not prophesying the word of the Lord. So you can't just have a gift of prophecy or a gift without it be matching the word of the Lord. You know what, you know what blesses God's bride today? is because we have had a word from God, and we've had a prophet who prophesied in line with that word. And when a bride believes that word and applies it, God's going to honor that. God's going to bless that. That may seem very simple. But the application of it really takes faith. And that's where God, I believe, is trying to bring us. History tells us that God is able to do miracles. Listening to Brother Branham's tapes will tell you that God's able to do miracles, right? But I believe we're called for a little more than that. I believe we're called to know the heart of God. And the heart of God is that really he wants to bless us even more than we want to be blessed. And the miracles and all the great things that have been done really are meant to build faith in our hearts and an awareness of what the heart of God really is. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's one who cares about what we go through. And we can cast all of our cares upon him. And all of those things are not meant to just impress us as powerful things. They're really meant to soften your heart and make you fall in love with him. Because when you know the heart of God, I believe we pray differently. I believe we we look to God a little differently than just, hey, uh, you know, it's just an emotional time or something else. When, When... I believe when you fall in love with him, I believe there's just something about his presence and his nearness that just kind of 
softens us, it melts us in a certain way. You just have a, have a different response. Now, I'll tell you this, it, it's not all about emotions and responses and, you know, emotional responses. It's not just about that. But I will tell you something. We have an expectation when we know the heart of God. The heart of God is that he, he really wants to take this bride to himself forever. He ordained you for this hour. He wants to take you to himself forever. And when I know that, I know that I can go to him. I always like to say this to, to you people, and I, I, I trust that you, you believe this. Um, it always works, and everybody nods when everything is going good. But whenever people run into trouble or there's some form of maybe disagreement or something, people all of a sudden, they don't respond. And I've got to go and knock on your door and sit down and chat with you. But I always want to be a kind of a pastor who's approachable. I always want to be the kind of a minister that you, shouldn't be, you, you wouldn't be afraid of and that you, you wouldn't think, well, I, I can't go to Brother Barry. I know what he'd say. I know he'd take my problem and preach it over the pulpit and everybody would know. I hope you never would think that about me. I hope by now you would think I have enough love for you that I'm really interested in seeing your betterment. I want to see your betterment. I want to see, your, I want to see you make it through the gates. I'm not interested in making your problem sermon material. I'm not interested in, uh, you know, gossiping about things that happen here. I don't think that profits anybody. And when you know my heart, it's a little easier to approach me. You can expect good things. That sometimes, as Brother Josh and I were talking, you know, he, when he was out of work there, and, and I, I'm saying this now for, I don't want you to take it the wrong way, but, you know, when somebody's out of work like that and somebody's, you know, unexpectedly lost a job, not through anything he's done, but this company's folded up, then you know what? I like, to, I like to latch on to that family and say, hey, how can I help? Sister Kristen's been through a great loss and her, and her dad, you know, as well, and then the job. You know what that is? That's just the enemy just kind of doing whatever he can to kick somebody when they're down. And I just write their name, I write their faces on my heart, and every day just about, just like to reach out and touch, you know, see how they're doing, what can we do to help, can we help with a bill, can we help in some way, and, and I, I, I want them simply to know, and I know they know this, but I want them simply to know that, uh, you know, they have my heart, and I've got their heart. This is not just about, well, you're in my church, and this is what we do to church members, that's not it. When you have a love for somebody, you're willing to communicate. You're willing to bring those needs in a, in a way that, you know, there's an expectation. I know, I know there's going to be something good happen. All of the miracles, all the great things that have done, I believe, are meant to build faith in our hearts, to make our relationship with him stronger. All the miracles, all the great things that have been done, all the exploits of God that have happened in this time, I believe they happen to let us know, hey, God, is, he's able He's the same. He cares about us. He loves us. And he wants to do good things for us. And he can do good things for us. And it gives you confidence to be able to come to him. It gives you confidence to pour out your cares and your concerns. It gives you confidence to bring your needs before him and say, I've got a need, I've got a sickness, I've got a child that's wayward, I've got this or that going on in my life. I'm not sure about you know, tomorrow and what tomorrow holds with my job or whatever else you're going through. 
All of the things that God has done, all the things that God has proven over these years, is meant to make you realize we've got more than just a knowledge of God. We've got a growing love for God. Because He's got a growing love for us. And I believe that's the place God wants us to move into. In the battles back here, whether they're under the pressure of an enemy or whether they're building something like they were in the book of Ezra, and we are a people who are, we, we, we relate to building and restoring, right? We're, we're building our way out of here, right? We're, mo- we're moving in this direction out of here into another kingdom. Whether you're, whether you're in the building process or whether you're in the, in the battle, in the heat of things, hey, believe God, so shall be, you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And watch how God provides through the community of the body of believers. We should not be against one another. We should not be cliquish among ourselves. We should not be, uh, well, it's just us, you know, us over here. This, uh, our, our young people, you know, this group of young people here, we do this, this something else, and we're going to leave somebody out. People rarely ever say that. But if you've ever been left out, you know how it feels. And it happens. And, you know, in the times we live in, in the times that we are right now, distancing is a common word. It rolls off everybody's tongue, right? Social distancing and, this, you know, we, we don't want to be together. Saw somebody shake hands with my father-in-law the other day, and we were like, ah! Can't do that! We're, we're attuned to distance. But you know what? There are ways to show our love towards one another, even at a distance. I appreciate how Sister Kim has often delivered soup to the sick and needy. I've been blessed. And I will tell you what. It doesn't hurt for us to do something, even if we have to do it, you know, leave it at the door, stand back ten feet and just say, Hallelujah, God bless you. The devil would love to keep us distanced. The devil would like to keep you focused on the wrong things. At heart... At heart, God doesn't want distance between you and him. At heart, God wants your first affection, your first love. He wants you to look at him as the first response. You're my first place to turn. You're my first go. And why shouldn't we? He's a supplier today, same as he ever was. He's a redeemer. He's a savior. He's a baptizer. He's a healer, right? Same as he always has been. We should be more convinced of that than anybody. God should not have to do another miracle among us for us to believe those things. We believe that they're true. Seen it. We've got, uh, you know, evidence to, 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 uh, you know, to prove that. Uh, there, are, there are many among us here that, uh, that, that believe that those things are true. And over your years, experience tells you that God loves us more than we can even imagine sometimes. We should be quick to pray. We should be quick to forgive. We should be quick to include. We should be quick to be forgiving of things. In times like this, 
Every church feels the pressure of being separated because we're used to being together. And there's a strength that comes of being together, right? And when King Cyrus said, hey, these guys are going to go back to build a church, don't interfere. Don't, don't get among them. Don't mess with them. Just let them build a church. They're under a leadership. They're, they're under a, uh, you know, a commission. Just let them go do it. And that's what King Cyrus observed and knew enough to, to, to say. And those people went and did it. And the prophets were right there encouraging them. And they were prosperous because they believed those prophets. It is no good for us to have Brother Brandon prophesy among us if we don't do what that prophet prophesied. If we don't apply what it is that he said. God wants us to do that. In this exodus, it's, it's not about how much more you can do than someone else. It's not about how much bigger you can be than someone else. Or how smarter. How much, you know, how much we can retain mentally, it's not about that at all. I believe it's about a people who simply have a love for God. And you know what? That love for God, I believe, would be so great that it would spill out among us and we'd all be affected by that attitude that we have. It's not all doctrine. It is doctrine, but it's not all doctrine. It's not all youth meetings. It is youth meetings, but it's not all youth meetings. The main thing is the main thing. And we always got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I want you just to hold this atmosphere for a moment here. And I just, if you would, I'd like to pray over this prayer cloth, and we're going to give it to Taylor. We're going to give it to the Biltons here to take to, to Taylor. It's in hospital. 20-year-old girl with leukemia. Uh, that would be a pretty scary place to be today in a hospital, probably by herself, because people can't get in there with her and to be dealing with that. And I would just say this, that any of you that have a need today and you'd like to come, I'd be glad to pray with you. I'd be glad to do what the Scripture says to do, and that is if any, any be sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let them come and we pray for you. That, that's a good thing for us to do. And you know what? Whenever you see a person in need, we should be praying with them. Not just observing the preacher pray, but we should be praying because they're a part of us. We are a part of a body. And when one hurts, we all hurt. So whatever your need is today, I want you to feel free and have the faith that God is able. But number two, you've got a body of people behind you who are also pulling for you from the heart of God. Because we know the heart of God. God wants to heal you. God wants to make your life better. He wants to improve your lot. He wants to get you closer to the kingdom. We know that that's, that's true. We know that's true. And we know that that's his desire. <clears throat> Let's sing that little chorus. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. Let's sing that this morning. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. And I give
righteousness. Mitchell, come on up here. Oh, yes, I worship you, almighty God, for there is none like you. Close your eyes, just sing it to him now. Just raise your hands, worship him. I worship you, Almighty God. Lord, there is none like you. Oh, I worship you, oh, Prince of to worship. Sing it again now from your heart. Yes, I worship you. trustees. Ben, if you would come. There's one that gets seven brothers here. Four or five. Peter up here. Ben, why don't you come along here, if you will. Come pray. Mark, why don't you come. I want you brothers, now first of all, I want to just gather and pray for this prayer request for, prayer cloth for Taylor. We don't know Taylor, but we, we have people in our church who know her, and we, we want to join our faith together now and pray that this prayer cloth makes a difference in that girl's life, 20 years old. And that's a premature enemy that's trying to snatch her life away. So now I want you to pray with us, okay, that uh, the Lord's anointing will follow this. And for any of you that would have a need this morning, you want to come. Sister Connie, we're going to pray for you and anybody else that has a need this morning. Join around together, brothers, if you don't mind. Put your hands on here. Heavenly Father, we pray together now in the name of Jesus Christ. 
that your special anointing would rest upon this prayer cloth. Lord, we know that in the book of Acts, this is exactly what they did, Lord. And they took garments from Paul and they distributed among the sick and great miracles happened, Lord. We know there's no strength or power in the fabric, but Lord, rather the faith that sends this fabric to its destination. We curse that enemy of cancer because we know it does not come from you, Lord. We curse it in the name of Jesus Christ and believe, Lord, that you're still a healer today. And that young girl laying in the hospital bed, Lord, we don't know her. We don't know her life. We don't know what's happened. We don't know what's brought her there. But, Lord Jesus, we believe you're still a healer today. And you care about somebody in that condition. And so we claim her today in the name of Jesus. Pray that you would just give her strength and your healing touch. And, Lord, in doing that, I pray that you would touch her soul. And, Lord, just deal with her heart and let her know that there is a real God who cares about her. And people who don't know her who are willing to pray for her. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just connect her with the body of Christ somewhere. And, Lord, she might walk in a greater light than what she has now. Touch her life, I pray. We commit this to you in faith in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Sister Connie, why don't you come and pray for us while you're all here.
say, Lord, on behalf of all of this people, we just want to say we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies, which are new every day. Forgive us of our attitudes that don't match and our schedules, Lord, that wind up in conflict with yours. Grant to us, Lord, a peace and just that settled assurance. We're on that right road. Lord, we're walking in harmony with you. Everything is good between our soul and the Savior. Deal with hearts, Lord, we pray. And we'll give you our love and our affection. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. 
and amen. Let's sing that little uh, that little chorus of majesty. Let's sing that in G, I think it is. Majesty. Worship His majesty. Unto Jesus. morning. God bless you. Oh, yes, majesty. Worship his majesty. Unto Jesus who died 